Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. I want you to grab your Bible with me this morning, and I want you to hold your spot, find and hold a place there at Genesis chapter 22. And then again this morning, if you would return with me to Judges chapter 11. So hold those two spots there, and we're going we're gonna to touch both of those bases here before we're done this morning. And um, I'm excited to share this word with you today because I feel like it's a little bit of an encouragement for you. And today, if you're here, you may be accustomed to having the, the blanks on the back of the bulletin today. Uh, you'll find that there's just one large blank because as I was going through this message, I didn't really find any pieces or parts there that I just felt like, you know, you needed to emphasize. I want to allow the Holy Spirit just to minister this word to you this morning because I feel like that it may really resonate with some people here this morning and maybe the Spirit will minister in a variety of ways as we share this word together this morning. But for the last couple of weeks, we've been uh, spending a lot of time focusing on the blessing of God in our lives and, and the pursuit of those blessings and how to position ourselves to walk in those blessings. And after we've positioned ourselves to walk in those blessings, how to contend for that lane so that the enemy doesn't come along and, and kind of give us the bump and knock us out of that lane of blessing. I believe... I, I firmly believe today that we as believers should have an expectation of God's blessing in our lives. You believe that? You believe that God wants to bless you this morning? I believe that we should have an expectation for blessing. And, you know, I think much of the church has shied away from encouraging folks to believe for greater things and to believe for the blessing of God. And I, I believe in part, I don't know, I haven't done a survey, I haven't conducted any kind of study here, so this is by no means scientific. It's just my observation and what I discern when I look at the religious landscape. I think in some instances we've ceased to encourage people to seek and to expect the blessing of the Lord, number one, because it may be a lack of faith. That we, we read of a God who can do these things, but we're not entirely sure that he is going to do those things in our lives. So we just don't really step out there. What if God doesn't do those things? I don't know if it's a fear that the Lord will not bless, as we have projected that he would. I don't know if it's a fear of being labeled a prosperity preacher. Because I have found that one of the quickest ways to be labeled a heretic among the body of Christ is to begin to spend more time talking about the blessing and favor of God than we do the wrath and judgment of God. So I believe, though, there is sufficient recorded promise from the Lord that we should live with an expectation of blessing. I believe that we ought to get up every single day and recount God's blessing in our lives and give thanks for them as we realize how truly blessed we are. We should expect God's intervention in our situations, God's healing for our bodies, God's provision for our needs. 
In fact, we've, we've come to a place in much of Christianity, and I'm just being honest with you here this morning, that we almost seem surprised when God does the miraculous. It's like we pray together, we believe together, oh God, we believe you for miracles. And then somebody comes back and says, hey, God did a miracle in my life. We say, he did? What? Are you kidding me right now? God did a miracle? No, he's in the miracle working business. It shouldn't surprise us. It shouldn't catch us off guard when God does amazing things in our lives. I believe that we should anticipate that God is going to enlarge our territories, that he's going to increase us, that he's going to pour his blessings out into our lives. And during those times of blessing, we need to be careful to give our God praise and thanks to, to him for his goodness in our lives. But I want to speak this morning, I want to point you to a contrast in experience today. Because I feel like there may be some under the sound of my voice who maybe you've been hearing these messages for the last couple of weeks and you're having a hard time tracing out the hand of God in your life right now. You're having a hard time finding where his blessing and favor are resting in your life. And perhaps you're walking through a season right now when it feels like nothing's going right. And I want to encourage you today not to back up, not to balk, not to try to renegotiate your commitments to the Lord. But keep on keeping on in Jesus' name and keep on pressing. You see, sometimes there's a great divide between our expectations in life and what we actually get out of life. How many of you are ready for football this afternoon? Come on, somebody. Come on. Heather, I got to tell you, I'm a little, I'm a, I feel some kind of way about that picture you posted this morning online. I feel like it may be prophetic, honestly, but that's, that's another story. Well, look, this, I believe, guys, you got that clip ready for me? I believe this is like the way we all envision life right here in a football context, okay? Roll, roll that for me. Here's the running back. Play action. And Manning's going to heave one. Is, oh, there's a flag. Beckham, a one-handed catch. How in the world? Oh, my goodness. And Brandon Carr was back there. I mean, he is insane. I don't think he stepped out either. That is absolutely impossible, what he just did. But I, can, can the receivers get far enough down the field? Rodgers in trouble. It's going to get there. He turned 32 yesterday. Does he have a vintage moment in it? In the end zone. It is caught for the win. Richard Rodgers with a walk-off touchdown, a game-ender for the Packers. Everybody out. Fog rolls. Watch the throw deep and does to the end zone for Bengals. Touchdown! Touchdown! Wildcat picks the bottom of the screen. It's Bell. Bell seeking space. Bell trying to go over the top. He fights to the goal line. He's in for the touchdown. At the gun. The Steelers win. Gerard steps up. Fires. Mike Sitch Walker. Knocked down. Oh, he caught it. Oh, unbelievable. Mike Thomas to 
It may have seemed like an impossible set of circumstances, but at the last minute, glory to God, he was going to show up and everybody was going to be saying, oh my goodness, would you look at them and what they just did, yay, rah, rah. My life wouldn't be complete if I didn't just see what they did. How many, how many of you have ever approached things in life with that expectation? Come on, show of hands. It's, it's going to be great. It's going to be good. Okay, all right. Sometimes, though, this is what we get in return. Guys, show me. Show me that next clip there. Very close to knocking it in. Play 18. For a fumble of football. It's loose. Still loose. And the Jets have it. Five. And insane. It's an interception that will be run back by Trevathan for a pick six. They're saying touchback. Right yeah, look at this. Look at this. If he drops it, oh and he does, goodness. and it goes out of the back of the end zone, it's going to be a touchback. All the way out of the back of the end zone, it is a touchback. Oh. First down, Baltimore. Oh. Here we go. Third and goal. They give it to Detroit. kidding me we have seen two fumbles at the goal line for both teams this afternoon Jordan Howard did it and you saw Drake was losing it before the, the fail of a fumble is under further review a keen hit comes up with the big hit that knocks that one loose right there That, my friends, is the towel of shame. I mean, that, that is when you had the highest hopes and the greatest expectation. This kid here could already hear all of the fans screaming his name and celebrating the great thing that had happened in his life and just what a blessing he was to the organization. But he had a goal line fumble. What had been anticipation and exhilaration is now replaced with heartbreak and disappointment. A dream shattered at the goal line. And I, I watched this, I actually watched this game last Sunday. And I don't know if you're supposed to cry at a football game or not. But I watched this kid for the longest time. He sat on that sideline with his head wrapped in that towel and sobbed. And I'm going to be honest with you, it brought just a little tear to my eye as well. And I just kept thinking about how it must feel 
How ridiculous it must, he must have felt in that moment that in front of tens of thousands of people, with the ball in his hand, with the opportunity to be the hero, that at least in his own mind he ended up zero. Lower than low. I don't know exactly how I'm going to do this this morning, but I asked Pastor Trey to put this little montage of clips together for me here this morning to illustrate that sometimes we, we are in life situations, and it's kind of like that football play. We just, we believe, we've got all the faith in the world that at the last second, with the Hail Mary pass, somehow or another, situations are going to turn around for us and miraculously instead of going down in defeat we're going to be celebrated as heroes and how many of you have found in life that some of those things that you started out with with the greatest of anticipation sometimes did not end the way that you had anticipated that they would end that it just it, it came up just a little bit short and I'm, I'm sharing this with you today, church, because there's a, word in the, there's a word in Scripture, and Paul writes and encourages the church that in all things we are to give thanks. And, and I'm talking to some people this morning who you know that experience of that one-handed catch falling backwards into the end zone and celebrating that victory, but there have been times and seasons, and maybe you're in one right now, where you know how that field goal fumble feels that goal line fumble feels it just it didn't quite pan out the way you had played it through in your mind you see i think there's a couple of uh stories in the word that illustrate this for us some there's some really 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 interesting accounts in the bible uh, i hope you read it often um but how many of you find sometimes that there are some really hard things in the bible there's some things that it's just hard to wrap our minds around. We're reading, especially if you read in the Old Testament much, you're reading through that word, and you just, you read something, and you stop, and you scratch your head, and you go, what? What just happened there? I didn't see that coming. I, I can't even, you know, we're so far removed culturally that sometimes it's hard to understand all the moving pieces of a certain narrative, and it's certainly harder sometimes to make application to our own lives. And one such subject that we read about in the Word, especially in the Old Testament, that's kind of hard for us sometimes to conceive in our own minds is the subject of sacrifice. When we read the stories or instructions about the sacrifice of animals, we get a little uncomfortable, don't we? I mean, we're, we're not much in our society on treating animals cruelly. As a matter of fact, there are those in our world who hold animal rights as equal to human rights. And, and we certainly get more than uncomfortable. There are a couple of stories in the Bible where we actually read about humans being offered as sacrifices to the Lord. Now, that, that is really pushing the envelope for us, isn't it? That, that's like pressing us out of our uh, comfort zones. Now, I can promise you today that neither the practice of human or animal sacrifice will be required of you in the sense that it was presented in the Old Testament, okay? 
So, you know, if, you, if you're having a problem with that coworker or anything, or, or maybe you want to strangle your spouse or something, God is not leading you to sacrifice them in any way, okay? However, as a believer, the principle of sacrifice is something with which you and I need to be well acquainted and a practice that we need to be ready to embrace. Not for the cover or the pardon of sins because Christ has already offered himself a sacrifice for sins once and for all. But there will be times in our lives when things don't roll out exactly like we have expected them to play out, but it is our obligation in that moment, just as it was in the good time, just as it was in the season of blessing, as we read the scripture at the beginning of the service, to lift our hands in the sanctuary and praise God because the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. I want to I talk to you this morning. I want to give you a couple of case studies here. We've been talking about serving God in the season of blessing, but today I want to talk to you about the fact that sometimes you and I will walk through things that may not turn out the way that we expected, but we've still got to remain committed to praising God and serving Him and worshiping Him all the way through. Case study number one, if you've got your Bible open, Genesis chapter 22, there's a familiar and often preached narrative in the Bible uh, and when, when situations are taking shape in our lives that are less than favorable, this is always what we do and what we should believe for. In Genesis chapter 22, you can find one account from the life of a man named Abraham that is quite the test of his faith. He is instructed by the Lord in verse 22 to take his only son and to offer him as a burnt offering. Now I told you, that he did what? Yes, the Lord spoke to Abraham. said, Abraham, I want you to take your son, your only son, and I want you to take him to the place that I'm going to show you, and there I, wanna, I want you to offer him a burnt offering to me. And immediately, the next morning, early the next morning, Abraham arises, he gets his things together, and he goes to fulfill what the Lord has asked of him. And they travel for three days as the, as the narrative unfolds, and they finally arrive at the destination that the Lord had appointed for this thing to happen. The Word says after three days they had traveled, and Abraham lifted his eyes, and he saw the place afar off. And then Abraham makes some powerful statements of faith here. And these are, these are things that, these are like refrigerator magnet type things here that we need to have in our lives Abraham has been called on by, by the Lord to offer his only son, his promised seed, as a burnt offering to the Lord. Well, I don't know how God's promise is going to be fulfilled in Abraham's life if Isaac perishes on the altar. You understand that? And you may be walking in some places right now that, that some things maybe look like they're deteriorating around you and you're having a hard time trying to figure out how God's promise is going to be fulfilled in your life if that thing perishes. Is that making sense? You're following along with me this morning. And to the servants, the servants there, they had some servants who were traveling along with them. Abraham asked them to stay behind, and he, he gives them these instructions. And I want you to listen to this, verse, verse uh, uh, 25, I believe it is. He says, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. 
we will worship and then, now you understand that the act of worship here is to offer Isaac as a sacrifice. He said, but we will worship and then we will come back to you. Great statement of faith. This man is walking in faith right here. He says, I'm, I'm going to go over there. I don't know, but this is God's promise for me that through this kid, my descendants will be as innumerable as the sands on the seashore, the stars in the sky. And I know Hebrews tells us that Abraham had the faith that even if he did offer Isaac there on the altar, that God was able to raise him up. And he walked by faith and he took him there to that place of sacrifice. And on the way up the mountain, it occurs to Isaac along the way that they have everything they need to accomplish this feat except for the sacrificial lamb. And then we read these words. Isaac spoke up and said to uh, his father, Abraham, father. He said, yes, my son, Abraham replied. And he says, the fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for burnt offering? And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went together. And once they had reached the appointed place, this is what we read. When they reached the place that God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and he arranged the wood on it and he bound his son Isaac and he laid him on the altar on top of the wood and then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. Now, we can realize, you and I, that Abraham is listed in Hebrews 11, Hall of Fame of Faith, and, and we can think somehow that he's superhuman. But what we need not forget here in Genesis 22 is that this was a real-time situation unfolding in the life of this man. He was standing there on the promise of God. That's all he had. He didn't have any other guarantee. There was no medical team on standby waiting to tend to the wounds of this boy if God didn't come through. He had laid it all on the altar for God. And I can imagine in this moment that he didn't want to sacrifice his son that he'd waited 100 years to receive. He didn't, I can imagine in that moment that his insides were all twisted up. And I can imagine that he was reflecting on the promises of God and trying to figure out how what he was about to do was going to fulfill God's promises in any way. Nevertheless, Abraham raises that knife and just before he plunged it into Isaac's flesh, the Lord stopped him. And it says, but the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven. Abraham, Abraham, here am I, he replied. Do not lay your hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. And he went over, and he took the ram, and he sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. Amen. Praise God. Woo, let's have church, right? 
I mean, God done, done a miracle over there on that mountain. That boy didn't have to be sacrificed. Abraham laid it all down. God said, I know that you love me. You don't really have to walk through this. I'm going to make a different way for you. Some of you have your Isaac bound on the altar. And it's a terrible circumstance in your life. And you're waiting for the voice of the Lord to say, just kidding. I, I know that you love me. You don't really have to walk through this. You don't really have to endure this thing. But I want to talk to you this morning about when there is no ram. When there is no ram. When you're loving Jesus with everything that's in you, hell is raging in your life, the enemy's coming against you, and you are finding yourself in situations and circumstances that you had never dreamt of, you're like that kid right now, you're sitting on the sideline of life and you've got your head wrapped in a towel and you're sobbing and you're crying and you just can't see how God's promise is being fulfilled through what's going on in your life right now. I want to ask you this question, will you remain faithful to your commitments to serve the Lord even when there's no ram in the thicket? When things aren't turning out the way that you thought they might, when the depth of sacrifice is almost more than you can bear, when the pain and the heartache that's permitted into your life, will you remain true to your commitments then? You say, well, Pastor Genesis 22 is the way the Lord works, and that's just the way he does things. And I ask you, is that the only way he does things? I want to take you to case study number two. And if you have your spot there in Judges chapter 11, would you turn there? We're going to return to a portion of last week's text that I have not been able to escape. Even in the preparation of last week's message, I felt this tug of the Spirit on my heart to share this word with you. It's one of those parts of a narrative that makes you scratch your head and wonder what in the world is going on and is that all really necessary but I want to show you today that not only was Jephthah a man who was serious about defending God's blessing in his life but he was also a man who was serious about honoring God with the commitments that he had made regardless of what situations were being ushered into his life at that given time. Jephthah, as you'll remember in Judges 11, was confronted by the king of Ammon who demanded that Israel return to them the portion of God's blessing that never belonged to him to start with. He tried to make Israel feel like they were just squatters in the land of God's provision. And Jephthah rose up to assert his right as the child of God and contended for his blessing, and we certainly celebrate him for doing that. We mentioned last week about how the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jephthah and he battled against the Ammonites and he subdued them, but I don't know if you caught the pledge that he made on the front side of that battle. And Jephthah made a vow to the Lord and he said, if you give the Ammonites into my hand, whatever comes out of my door, out of the door of my house to meet me when I return in triumph from the Ammonites, will be the Lord's and I will sacrifice it as a burnt offering. I want to tell you something, church. In the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verses 4 and 5, it says this. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to fulfill it. 
He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. Because it is better not to make a vow than to make one and not fulfill it. That's scripture for you and I today. It's better not to promise God anything than to promise God things and not follow through on them. That's just, that's just natural. How many of you, it's irritating when people don't keep their word? Come on, somebody. That's right. We don't like it. We, if, if, if somebody's going to give us their word on something, we expect them to follow through on what it is that they've told us they were going to do. And God's the same way. The word here says that it's better not to make a vow than to make one and not fulfill it. And I think there are often times when we make our commitments to God and and we feel like he's going to know our hearts and he's going to see our great devotion to him and he's just going to have a ram in the thicket and he's going to let us off the hook. And we say, but God, if, if this thing takes shape in my life, then I'll do this thing. And God, if you'll work this thing out for me, then I'll do this thing over here. And I can tell you there's a lot of people that after God gives them what they want, they forget about their commitments to God. They forget about it. When they realize that the vow that they made to God, the commitment that they made to serve him, is actually going to cost them something, they shy away from it. They want to renegotiate. They want to say, but, 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 wait a minute. What I really meant was, and I, you know, when I was saying that, it was kind of hyperbole. I wasn't really intending that that was the way it should be. I want you to listen to how this story builds here in verses 34 and 35. Jephthah has gone out. He's defeated the Ammonites. He's returned home, and this is what he finds. When Jephthah returns home to his home in Mizpah, who should come out to meet him but his daughter? Dancing to the sound of timbrels. She was an only child. Except for her, he had neither son nor daughter. And when he saw her, he tore his clothes and cried, Oh no, my daughter. You have brought me down and I am devastated. Because I have made a vow to the Lord that I cannot break and I want to tell you there's some of you this morning that maybe you're distraught and maybe you're discouraged and maybe you're really perplexed by the situation you find yourself in and you have that thing that you love bound up there on the altar and it looks like it's the end and your expectation has been that there's going to be a ram in the thicket but I want to talk to you today again about What about when there is no ram? See, I don't know. Maybe here a few hundred years later, maybe Jephthah has heard the story of Abraham and Isaac. Maybe he knows how this story is supposed to end. Maybe that's why he has made this commitment, but I really don't think that's why he's made this commitment because he seems to be very serious about it. I want to tell you something today, church. There will be times when you've trusted the Lord and that relationship dies. There will be times when you've done everything that you can do and that person walks away from you. There will be times when you've committed your way to the Lord, but the business deal falls through. 
When you've laid it all on the line and God calls you on that commitment, you've promised God that if he'd do something for you, then you would give a large gift. You promised that if God, if he'd intervene in your life in some way, then you would devote yourself in some other extraordinary way. There'll be times when you've made a commitment to God with the expectation that there's going to be a ram in the bush, but when it comes to the moment of sacrifice, there isn't one. And you're just left there to say, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. That's all there is. Can I tell you, there, there was no substitutionary ram for Jesus. Oh, he asked God. He said, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. I don't, I don't really, I'm not really digging this in this moment. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. You see, there was no substitutionary ram for John the Baptist when his head was being served on a platter. There was no substitutionary ram for the martyrdom of Peter and Paul and for John as he was being exiled on the Isle of Patmos there to die. There was no substitutionary ram when calamity came to the life of Job. There was no substitutionary ram for the hundreds, countless missionaries whose blood stained the soil of foreign lands, but even in death their life raised such a powerful witness of the gospel that an entire tribe, maybe nation of people, were saved. I believe that God always wants to bless you. In some way, he is always blessing, even if we can't see how that's taken shape in our lives at any given minute. But sometimes your commitments to the Lord will cost you. There may not always be a ram in the thicket. You may endure some hard things in this life. But I want to encourage you, don't give up on God. Don't, don't back up. Don't begin to stutter step and backpedal on the commitments that you've made to Him. See, too often are the times when it comes time for us to make good on our commitments that we, we want to change them. I'm sure that Jephthah could have said, well, Lord, I, I, what I really meant to say was, you know, something different. Lord, maybe I got a little carried away in the heat of the moment. You know, the adrenaline was pumping. The anointing ah, was all over me. Lord, I, I misspoke. There are a few nuances today in this narrative that we'll not cover, but suffice it to say, in verse 39, we read these words. And after two months, she returned to her father. And he did to her as he had vowed. I want to be explicitly clear here. We do not teach human sacrifice at this church, okay? If your kids are getting on your nerves, that's... In this dispensation, God does not call us for such things, nor would he approve it. But while we practice commitment in a very different way, the principles are the same. You will walk through some moments in your life 
when what you're facing is causing you pain. When, when what you're going through almost seems too great of a burden to bear. When you don't understand why this has happened to you, but you want so badly for the Lord to intervene. And sometimes the Lord will deliver you from those times. And sometimes he'll deliver you through those times. I want to read to you a short commentary here from the life of the Apostle Paul as he's writing to the church at Corinth. And he talks about this man who had great revelations of heavenly things. And he finally comes to this part of his story here and he says, Or because of these surpassingly great revelations, therefore in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. And three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest upon me. Child of God, I want to encourage you today that you may feel like everything you've got is on the altar. And you've been crying out to God, God, deliver me from this thing. God, Lord, if there's any other way, then let this pass from me. This is what I know, that our God is a good God. That he intends good for you and not to harm you. That he wants to prosper you and to give you a future and a hope. And you may not be able to understand what's going on in your life right now. And you may not understand why there's not a ram over there in the thicket to deliver you out of the situation that you find yourself in. Why God's miraculous intervention isn't just made clear to you in this moment. And I say this understanding... Oh, God, I understand it in depths and ways that, that you wouldn't believe. But I stand on his word today that says he's working all things for our good. He's going to see you through. His grace is sufficient for you. His strength is going to be made perfect in your weakness. I know there's some mamas in this place right now that your sons and your daughters are on the skids and it seems like they're just bound up on that altar and you're just laying them before God. And you're wanting God to intervene in that situation so badly. I want to encourage you to keep standing. I don't understand this season any more than you do. But I know that God is faithful. And I know that He's gracious. And I know there are some of you here this morning, as I've been talking about blessing over the last couple of weeks, you've been sitting there going, I'm not, I'm not feeling it. That's not the season I'm walking through, Pastor. To you, I want to tell you, you're sitting here with the biggest heartache in the world. I want to tell you today that His grace is sufficient for you. His love abounds for you. You don't, again, you don't understand it all and I don't understand it all and I can't explain it away for you. 
But all I can tell you is there will be times when we go through things, hard things, and there is no ram in the thicket. We've just got to hold to the mighty hand of God. And by faith, when we don't feel like we can take one more step, when we feel like we've given everything that we have to give, we've just got to stand and say, God, I know that your strength is perfect in my weakness. And by your grace, the sufficiency of your grace, I'm going to make it one more day. I'm going to make it one more mile on my journey. I know that you've promised good to me. I know that you want to prosper me. I know that you're going to make me the head and not the I know that this too shall pass. And I know at the end of this, if everything else is stripped away from me, if my dignity is gone, if my possessions are lost, If I have nothing to show in this life but the clothes on my back and the love of Christ in my heart, I know that one day I'm going to stand in victory. I want to ask my wife, I want to ask our pastors, I want to ask some of our elders this morning if you would come and prepare yourself. I believe there are those here among us today who just might need a prayer of encouragement. Just somebody to agree together with them that they would have the strength to stand through the trial that they're facing in their life right now. Would you stand all over the sanctuary? In just a few moments, our worship team is going to begin to sing and begin to lead us to the throne of grace this morning. If my prayer warriors would go ahead and assemble themselves here. If you just need to say, if you'd say, Pastor, that today that word has resonated with my heart. I'm going through some things right now in my life, some hard places. I just need somebody to agree with me. I just need somebody to, to help me to touch heaven today because I need the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. I need the grace of God to be multiplied in my life and my situation. I need the power of God to touch me in my weakness and help me make it through. That's you as we worship the Lord together. Would you make your way to these altars today? And let's just lift our hearts to the Lord and express our reliance on Him. Cry out to Him. Call out to Him. I believe He wants to meet you here in this place right now. 
I believe he wants to refresh you. I believe he wants to restore you. I believe that he wants to empower you for what lies ahead of you and what you're, what you're currently facing right now. So if that's you, would you come? Guys, would you lead us? Jesus. encourage you with this this morning I know there are others under the sound of my voice that you're you're facing these things and we just want to encourage you today I believe that the house of the Lord should be a judgment-free zone that if you need prayer if you need to pour your heart out before God at an altar then you shouldn't worry about what somebody else thinks about you or how they're judging your situation. And then I'll tell you this, that Jesus is the only answer. He's the only one that can provide for your need. He's the only one that can touch you at the point of your infirmity and bring wholeness and healing. He's the only one that can insert his strength into your situation and make the brokenness whole. So as we sing that song again, that is a beautiful song. I want to remind you that these altars are open. There are folks here to agree with you in prayer, and I encourage you to come and receive from the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Season, 
at the cross I bow my knee where your blood was shed for me there's no greater love than this you have overcome the grave glory fills the highest place what can separate me you with this word today from John's own experience and interaction with the Lord he made this declaration and he said greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world and greater is the power of God in you than the situation that you're facing right now. Amen? Amen? Aren't you glad for that today, church? Hallelujah. 
He's a good God. Amen. Father, I thank you today that you cause the sun to shine on the just and the unjust. Just as you cause the rain to fall on the just and the unjust. God, we know there will be seasons of favor that will come into our lives. We know that there will be seasons of hardship. There are things that will be necessary for us to walk through in this life. But we believe still that you're working all things together for our good. God, that your plan is ultimately to bless us. And God, I pray strength and encouragement right now over the life of every individual in this house, over the life of everyone that may be watching online this morning who is waiting for their season of testing to come to a close, who's waiting for that intervention. God, that you would just take them by the hand and give them the courage, Lord, to trod through the fire holding on to you and emerge on the other side victorious. God, I praise you because regardless of what we face in this life, we know that your grace is sufficient for us, that you will never leave us nor forsake us, and we glorify your name, and we bless you, Lord. We thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people shouted with victory, amen. amen. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.